everyone, it is Stephanie Postles, the host of Up Next in Commerce. Before we get into our latest interview with another e-commerce leader, I wanted to let you know that the Up Next in Commerce podcast is now available for sponsorship for the first time ever. By partnering with us, your company will be connected to interviews with the most compelling founders, CEOs, VPs, and digital leaders in the world of commerce today. You have nothing to gain but thousands of followers and millions of impressions each and every month. Reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to see how your business can benefit from partnering with our team at Up Next in Commerce. Welcome to Up Next in Commerce, the show that takes you to the front lines of what's happening in digital, retail, and beyond, with conversations from fast-growing startups to the Fortune 500 and everything in between. You'll get a glimpse into what's next. I'm your host, Stephanie Postles, the co-founder and CEO of mission.org, and I'll be your guide through all the trends, innovations, and hot topics in the world of commerce. How do traditional businesses keep up with the ever-evolving commerce world? While growing up in the family pizza business, Jasper Faluka has seen the business navigate this fast-paced world by not being afraid to take risks. Whether that's transforming their entire product offerings, or having a founder who didn't think twice when it came to killing off the successful business that they started out from. With a background in sales and finance, Jasper brings a growth mindset to business development as he aims to expand Palermo's Pizza into e-commerce to reach more customers. Let's get into it. What are business leaders thinking about when they aren't winning a business? family, travel, the latest TV show? Yes, yes, and maybe. But how about quirky business opportunities or little discussed financial trends or maybe even plant medicine benefits and alternative wellness? Mission Daily is back, baby, and our flagship podcast is better than ever. Mission Daily is the podcast for the business builder, the thoughtful marketer, the team manager, the blue-collar worker looking for new ways to think about life, finances, and health. This is for the people who want to break the status quo and laugh a little or a lot along the way. Join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we address the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't often talk about. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. Jasper, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited because I don't get to talk to too many like family-owned businesses. And the first thing that comes to my mind when I saw you coming on, I'm like, oh, there's probably so many secrets and stories and lessons that are passed along to you. Yeah, so I'd have to say kind of our founding story. So we were founded as a restaurant on Milwaukee's east side when this was between 1964 and 1979. The restaurant was wildly successful by every account. We had a lot of you know, Italian celebrities coming in. Frankie Avalon would come in, hang out with my grandfather and my Nona. And my grandfather was this larger than life figure. There are some crazy stories about him where people wouldn't pay and he would get up in their face and, you know, he would start fights over it and be like, you're, you're stealing from me. And, you know, it's kind of that Sicilian immigrant mentality where it's like, I'm either going to make it or I'm going to die trying. And I love that. So around 1978, I think the restaurant was doing a couple million dollars in sales, which is insane for a restaurant in the 70s. And one of his friends sent him a French bread pizza and it was frozen. And he's like, what is this? And my grandfather's like, all right, I need to get into this business. 
So as the story goes, and I'm not sure if this is 100% accurate, but my family was down in Orlando for a fun little spring break trip. And my grandfather sold the restaurant overnight. They came back and he said, sold the restaurant. We're going to go into the frozen pizza business. And at that point, I mean, their livelihood was the restaurant. It was doing well. And it's kind of that whole mentality of, you know, like constant motion and like never settling. And at that point, you know, they were having a good life, but he's like, I want more out of this. I want to, you know, always be innovating. I always want to be, you know, bettering myself. And my grandfather had a fifth grade education. He sold the restaurant, went into the frozen pizza business, bought a shop and put a line in and said, all right, let's do this. And I think that to me is just the American dream personified. Oh, man, I love that. Okay, that was a great first story to start with. Thank you for sharing that. So for anyone who doesn't know, tell them, our audience, like what is Palermo's Pizza? What's the scope of it? Like, where do you guys sell? How big is this company? So we are a frozen pizza manufacturer. We have six different brands under our family of brands. So Palermo's is our namesake. We also have Screamin' Sicilian. We have Urban Pie. We have Connie's. We have a Surfer Boy Pizza, which is in partnership with Netflix's Stranger Things. Oh, wow. Cool. That's one of our newest <laughs> brands. That's really cool. It's exclusively at Walmart right now. And then we recently acquired majority stake in a spring roll company called Funky Fresh Spring Rolls. So, you know, as much as we are in the frozen pizza game right now, we're looking to expand into other frozen pizza offerings. Mm-hmm. Okay, amazing. So I want to hear a bit about like, what was it like growing up in this pizza family? I mean, you see probably business every single day, like what did it look and feel like every day? And did you know this is like where you are today was where you would end up? Um, to answer your second question, no, I had no plan of going into the family business this early. You can thank COVID for that. It's like I, I always say COVID was an accelerator. But you know, growing up in the family business was you know, an incredible experience. You know, when I was younger, my parents would always bring me on business trips. So I'd be sitting at meetings and, you know, not real meetings, but kind of like the dinner after meetings where people are talking about what we're going to do or how this is going to affect, you know, our company. And when I was younger, the business was a fraction of where it is now. So it was, at that point, I'd say it was truly a family run business. I think, you know, we maybe had, when I was in middle school, 25 to 50 office employees. And it was really, you know, one big family where my parents were extremely involved. My uncle was extremely involved. My brother at this point, you know, was running festivals during the summer to get product out to people and show people kind of our pizza. And at that point, it was really interesting to kind of grow up in an environment where You know, I wouldn't say it was like a a startup, but it was definitely, you know, a smaller family business where, you know, everyone's involved and everyone has a say and, you know, everyone's just trying to make it and try to grow it and grow your name. You know, since then, it's been interesting because we've definitely grown a lot and a lot's changed in the last 10 years, but a lot's also changed in the last five years. Yeah. What's been behind that growth? I mean, because me, I see you all everywhere. And now that you name these new products, I'm like, okay, now you're even more so everywhere. Like what has been the big driving force behind all the growth, especially over the past five years outside of COVID? (laughs) I'd say innovation. You know, I think we have one of the best teams in the industry that can take, so we always say it's from ideation to commercialization. 
So we're able to commercialize products that are, you know, sometimes kind of a crazy idea and make it reality and be able to do it with record pace. And we are able to, you know, win with our retail partners where they're coming to us and say, so Surfer Boy, for example, Walmart came to us and, you know, asked us if we wanted to participate in this. We have a longstanding relationship with Walmart and they, you know, believed in us and they know that we can execute a product in less than six months from here's what we're trying to make. Can you get this on the shelf in six months? And that's something that we do better than anybody is we can commercialize products. So it's, I think, A, being able to execute on the commercialization aspect, but B, I mean, our team is constantly looking at new flavor profiles, new crust types, new sauce types, new product lines, even looking at new brands that are entirely out of frozen pizza. It's constantly pushing the envelope on, you know, never settling. And I think it's Robert Iger put it best. He's like, you either innovate or you die. And I think that's really the food industry is if you're not constantly looking at bettering your company or flavor profiles, you're going to be left behind. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, what's unique about you all is that you're so interested in that innovation where a lot of times you do meet, you know, family businesses or you're like, this is the family recipe. And there's this battle within the company of like, we can't touch it. We can't innovate on it. We don't want to change it. And going all the way back to like your grandfather, he's like, no, we don't play like that. Like we are going to keep up with where the market's at. And that, if that means killing off an entire product or company, we're going to do it. So that's like a really unique angle. It is. And it's just, I think it's just that constant innovation and it's, you know, it's, you can't be, a, I think so many people are afraid of change. And I think, you know, change is where some of the best things can come from. The world's always evolving and you have to evolve with it. You know, the consumer's flavor profiles are constantly changing. Really where we kind of get some of the innovation is at the restaurant level. And for example, being in San Francisco right now, looking at all of these new restaurants that are popping up, concepts that are popping up, that's where it starts. And then eventually it kind of trickles into you know, retail frozen foods or frozen goods. So it's just constantly looking at what is out there. Yeah. So, I mean, what does your innovation style look like other than probably going to restaurants? And of course, you know, if you're an SF, the best food is there and the most unique ones, like how do you do that and look at all that without also like getting distracted? Because to me, I would go there and I'd be like, well, there's all like, there's so much new stuff here. I just want to do it all. Like, how do you keep a focus while also making sure that you're advancing the company? So I think a lot of it is going out into grocery stores, walking around, seeing what other people are doing, but other seeing what other sectors in the grocery store are doing. So for packaging, you can look at, you know, the craft beer aisle and see how those neons are popping right now and that vibrancy and how that's eventually going to be translated into the frozen food aisle. So looking at, you know, what's the next hot thing in packaging? What's the next hot thing in flavor profiles? But also it's a lot of market research. You know, it's a lot of marketing decks. It's a lot of consumer feedback where we have some crazy ideas and we get real-time feedback from consumers to say, would I buy this? Would I not buy this? Is this crazy or is this a great idea? So as much as it is about, you know, kind of the art of food, at the other end of the spectrum, it's the data behind, is this a good business decision or not? Which is something in the last 10 years we've really relied heavily upon is data. Yep. Have consumers led you wrong yet? Like when you've done these, you know, early tests to see, okay, what do you want? What don't you want? Has it ever led you astray? I'll say that, you know, you might have great consumer feedback and you might think a product is going to 
absolutely kill it in the marketplace. And then it launches and it kind of falls. You never really know until you get into the marketplace and you can kind of see what the selling velocities are. And, you know, we're launching a product right now. And one of my whole comments is let's just put it in the marketplace and see what it does because we can analyze it forever, but you're never going to know until you actually see real-time data of a real-time consumer because someone on a survey might say, oh yeah, I wouldn't buy that. But then they see it in the store and they would buy it. So it's so hard to judge until you actually see what it's going to do in real life. Yeah. I mean, you had a, a good quote on, I think it was an article I read or a podcast where you were like, just because you have a great product doesn't mean customers are after it, which to me, I look at the frozen pizza aisle and I'm like, oh my gosh, so much competition. There's been so many like new entrants in the past, you know, five, 10 years. How do you not only launch a new product like that, but then also stand out so that people know like, okay, let's give it a shot. So a lot of it is, you know, it's, we might think we have a great product, but consumers might disagree. And what we think is a good pizza, consumers might think is a awful pizza. So it definitely goes back to looking at the data, but it also goes to look and see, you know, what concepts are selling in the frozen pizza business right now. It's a completely overpopulated sector of the grocery store. If you go to a grocery store in Wisconsin, there could be 50 different brands of frozen pizza, which is absolutely insane to me. I'm wondering, you know, how are some of these people surviving? Because a lot of them are not good. I mean, here in Austin, same thing. There's like an entire aisle in Central Market of frozen pizzas. And I feel like every time I get burned by a different company trying something new, because I'm like, oh, it wasn't good. But then I have short-term memory and I go back and probably buy it again. Well, and I think that's kind of the whole thing with like frozen pizzas. Like I always, I'm like wondering, you know, how are there so many different brands out there? Frozen pizza is almost a commodity at this point where there is a frozen pizza for every price level. You can have some that are in the grocery store, five pizzas for $10 or five pizzas for $5. And those are, you know, your typical standard frozen pizza that is maybe costs 50 cents to make, but people are buying it because it's fitting a need. While then on the other end of the spectrum, you have, you know, a frozen pizza that's going to retail for $13.99 that is just as good, if not better than most pizzerias in America. So it's really just kind of finding the consumer for each product is what it is. And sometimes the target strikes, sometimes it doesn't. How are you going about connecting with your customers? Because I, I think that's what I'm thinking about. Like, I don't maybe have enough brand love for things like that when I forget. Like there's a, probably a problem. Like why am I missing this connection that I might have with other products? And so like, how do you guys go about forming that relationship with your customers? So they're not like me where they just forget and be like, oh, I can't remember. I'm just going to like pick a random one and see if it works out okay. You know, I think it's a lot of each brand has its own persona. So Screaming Sicilian, for example. Which I've had that one. It's great. <laughs> it's a great, great product. Um, we launched it in 2011 and it just took off. It's named after my grandfather, who very much was a Screaming Sicilian. That's just in the best way possible. He was a Screaming Sicilian. And, you know, that one is, you know, more of a craft pizza. So it's going to be someone who is not just looking for a frozen pizza that they're going to throw in at midnight on a Saturday. It's, all right, I might have this pizza Friday night, you know, pair it with a salad, pair it with a nice bottle of wine or a craft beer or a nice mocktail. It's, you know, a centerpiece of a meal. Then you have Urban Pie, which is more health conscious. That's going to be in Sprouts and Whole Foods. That is also one of those products where you're actually having that as a meal, you know? So it's kind of finding 
the consumer for each brand and then targeting them with different ads and kind of that brand persona. So if you're going to walk into Whole Foods or Sprouts, you're already a certain type of consumer. So what that packaging and what all of those ads come together, you look at the packaging and you say, oh yeah, I want to see this. I've, saw, I've seen this on maybe an influencer was posting about it on TikTok, or maybe I saw a targeted ad on Google. It's kind of just finding the consumer and matching them up with the brand. There's a stereotype of the average American worker whose life goes something like this. Go to work, come home, consume some kind of entertainment, go to sleep, lather, rinse, repeat. If you're listening to this ad, then I know that that life does not resonate with you. For the truly disruptive business leader, work doesn't stay at the office and unwinding doesn't mean watching TV at night every single night. This is why we've created Mission Daily a podcast that discusses the trends, habits, and ideas that thoughtful business people are contemplating every day. From quirky business opportunities to interesting investment ideas to the latest research in health and exercise and alternative medicine, and maybe even plant medicine. Who knows where we're gonna go, but Mission Daily covers it all. We're releasing new episodes every weekday. So join me, Stephanie Postles, and my co-host, Albert Chow, as we discuss the subjects, thoughts, and trends that business leaders think about but don't talk about publicly, that is. Break the status quo. Tune into Mission Daily wherever you listen to your podcasts. See you there. So I want to back up to the Surfer Boy product because I feel like there's a lot to unpack in there. I mean, I heard it and I was like, oh, I need to come back to this, but I don't want to divert us yet. I want to hear like, how did that partnership come about? I mean, I'm just thinking like Netflix, Walmart, bringing you all in, like how and why and why did they go to you? Like so many questions. So... I think we're on season five right now, Stranger Things. And central to the plot is this whole Surfer Boy pizza van. You know, it's all the kids driving around in the Surfer Boy pizza van. With their little high friend, always like exactly. high up in the front of the van. Yep, yep. Argyle. I mean, he is central to the brand's success. And I love it. Being able to create a brand around a show. And Stranger Things is probably some of the best viewership, the best brand loyalty, the most excitement of any show in the market right now. So Netflix definitely wanted to capitalize on that and went to Walmart and said, can we do an exclusive partnership? And collaborations right now are hot. And Walmart then came to us and said, can you guys commercialize this product for us? And, you know, it's just due to existing relationships. Did they come to you first or did they kind of shop it around? I'm like, why were you the chosen one? (laughs) I'm not exactly sure if we were first or not, but, you know, we have such a great relationship (laughs) with Walmart. You know, we've worked with them for decades now. We make a lot of their private label products. So it's just, you know, having that existing relationship and them knowing that we can execute. Because a lot of people, you know, it's, you might have a great idea, but a great idea doesn't mean anything unless you can't execute upon it. So we're able to execute it. And, you know, in record time, six months, they said, you know, we want to come out with four different SKUs. All right, we got that. You guys want to do a no heat jalapeno pizza? Trying to source no heat jalapenos during the pandemic was extremely challenging, but you know our supply chain team was able to find genetically modified no heat jalapenos that have zero seeds, which is what makes it no heat. Got it. Didn't even know that was possible. <laughs> Either did I until it became a problem. Yeah, I mean the brand partnership with Stranger Things is incredible. I mean the coolest thing about that brand is it's you know when we launched it, we put no marketing dollars really behind it. It was just influencers, people watching the show, going in the store and being like, oh my God, this is so cool. Creating a TikTok, which is this whole new 
element that we're trying to get into, the virability of Stranger Things with a pizza, with Argyle, with the Surfer Boy Pizza Van, you know, everything just came together in this perfect storm. And for us, it was a smashing success. Yeah. And so do you all share in the upside or were they just like having you all basically produced it? And then like, I'm trying to understand like the partnership details. So Surfer Boy Pizza is a brand of ours. Okay. And it's exclusively sold at Walmart until summer of 23. Got it. Do you know how it's performed like for Netflix? Or like, do they all feel like this is like a good thing where they'll do more of it? Because you always see these, you know, very successful shows. And it's like every media company probably wants to figure out how to have product placement without doing it too much. And I always wonder, like, did it work for you? So have you heard anything? (laughs) So we always look at units per store per week. That's how many pizzas per store per week a product selling. We were expecting this to do maybe 10 to 13, which would have been incredibly successful. It was doing around 26 to 30 units per store per week. It was at one point, one of the top 10 selling products at Walmart. Wow. Like all products, like toilet paper was hot during the pandemic. Surfer Boy Pizza was right there behind it. So it's wild. It just took off like a rocket ship. And I don't think, you know, we all thought it was going to be successful just due to the collaboration there. But how successful it actually turned out being was beyond anyone's expectations. And it really for us is, you know, how else can we partner with different companies and do really cool collaborations? And, you know, there's some really cool ones we have ideas for that we would love to dive into. And like I said, pizza's such a fun product. There's pizza in a lot of different shows and there's pizza in a lot of different, you know, pop culture moments. Why can't we do this again? Yep. I was just going to ask that. Like, I'm sure you guys are now like your spidey senses are up and you're like, where else, who else can we partner with? But it's interesting that it started from Netflix wanting that. And of course, getting more brand awareness in a heavily populated store. Like it makes total sense, but you would think a lot of times it'd be coming from the product owners. I haven't heard it from the other side as much yet, unless they're benefiting because they own the product or they have some kind of investment in it. And and they definitely do. And I mean, they share in the success of it. Um, okay. So for them, you know, it's, they do such a good job of, you know, creating experiences. And the cool thing about that is like, you can eat the product while watching the show and feel like you're part of that journey. And I think, you know, it's that experiential marketing element that is just taking off. And that's a great example of being able to, you know, feel like you're somewhat in the show, like you're sitting next to Argyle, having a pizza and saving the world, but from your couch. Very similar things. So, I mean, when it comes to innovating, what's next for you all? Like, what are you experimenting with? What are some big projects that you're kind of testing out right now, but you don't know if they'll really work out? Because I just love hearing like how your brain thinks and how your company's just like getting into things that I still would not consider like a family, originally family owned business to get into these things. So What's next? So I'd say the biggest project on my table right now is direct-to-consumer business. So we have this theory that people are going to want to order pizzas directly to their homes. And what we're doing is, you know, we're creating a site that people are going to be able to either make their own box of six pizzas or select a box of six that's curated by us and do a subscription on, but also really just buy pizza online, have it shipped to their door in 48 hours. That's kind of a revolutionary idea because shipping a frozen good is difficult. But 
we believe since COVID, people are staying at home more, people are ordering online more. We believe that in the future, online slash e-commerce business could be five to 10% of our branded sales. You know, it's something that we've been debating going into for a couple of years now, but the last eight months, we've really just decided, all right, we got to dive headfirst into this. And like I said, with some product launches, you just got to launch and see what happens. That's awesome. So when are you starting the D2C pizza shipping? Q4 of this year. So right now we're in heavy site development. I'm learning what every single development acronym means. And we have calls daily and I'm like, guys, I don't know what we're talking about here. Can you give it to me in a little plain English so I can at least understand what this means for the site? So it's been a, it's been a fun journey so far. Okay. And so what platform are you developing on and what's your favorite acronym that I should learn today? So we're using Salesforce Commerce Cloud. Woohoo. Sponsor. Can I say enough good things about Salesforce Commerce Cloud? And I think my favorite one is TechStack. Okay. Which is interesting because I guess what it means, and I could be completely wrong, but from my understanding, it's all of the tech that your company is using and how that all kind of ebbs and flows into one. And that's kind of one where, you know, I'm we're looking at a multiple different vendors of bringing on to Salesforce, integrating everything. The tech stack means a lot because you need to have the proper height of the stack because if you have too much, stuff slows down, doesn't work well. So it's been kind of a fun project and it's in a project of, all right, what additional add-ons do we have for the site? Which ones don't we have? And how does it all flow naturally together? That's awesome. You nailed the tech stack language. So good job. I'm sure you taught a few listeners, viewers right now. They're like, ah. Oh. Thank you for teaching me what that means. Even though my undergrad degree was in finance, you know, it could have been something in tech at this point. Yeah, why not? I mean, do degrees matter that much? I don't know. Mine was in finance as well. And then people were like, you should be good at math. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm sadly not. You're good at Excel, but not math. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I never actually did the math. I just put it in a, a sheet. So did you go with Salesforce because of this D2C line that you guys are exploring? Or was that the main driving force? Yeah. So we have a pretty strong existing relationship with them. We use them for our CRM. So pretty much point of sale all the way through project management to like manufacturing. So we have a full build out with them. And we're looking at a few other vendors. And, you know, at the last minute, we had a call with Salesforce and they're like, you know, you guys should really look at us. They pitched it so perfectly. And then they set us up with an agency who even pitched it better. And at that point, we were like, all right, this is who we're going to go with. This is definitely more of an investment than we were planning on. Because I think at first it was just, let's just sell pizza online. Yeah. And now it's like, all right, let's sell pizza online, but also let's collect data so that we can you know, pinpoint what consumers actually want, where pizzas are selling. Oh, let's actually text people and communicate with them directly. It's kind of exploded into this whole massive project for us. And it's extremely exciting to see, you know, for us as a more historical retail company, kind of just flipping the script and doing something different. Yeah, I love that. I mean, that element of long-term thinking, you hear that when you look at like some of the best founders and CEOs, like the ones who have been around for decades, you would look at the, I was just looking through, okay, this is super nerdy. Uh, Jeff Bezos' shareholder letters going all the way back to the beginning of his company and like digging into like the language he was using and like what he kept saying over and over. And it was all around like, this is for the long term. When there was all these, you know, recessions and crashes, like things might look bad right now. However, this is for the long term. And here's where we're headed. And here's where things are still like, okay, because of the investments we're doing that will pay off in 10 years. Exactly. And I think you always have to look towards the future, but make sure that you're keeping a mind on the present. 
you know, because the present's what's going to affect the future. But if you strongly believe in something, you know, you should go for it. And I think with us, we strongly believe that e-commerce is here to stay and it's only going to continue growing. And we thought that a couple of years ago and look where we are now. I love it. All right. So I want to ask one last thing, Jasper. What is the best piece of advice you've ever received that you think about day to day and it's like guiding you within the company? Honestly, I think it's really just comes down to, you know, communication is key at every level. And, you know, I look at our company, we have around a thousand employees now. Wow. Things will come from up top and kind of cycle down. And each person may have a different interpretation of what someone else said. So it's making sure that through our company, everyone is hearing the exact same message. But that's also in, you know, projects I'm leading or I'm working on is you need to make sure that you're communicating as clear as possible so that everyone is on the same page and everyone understands, you know, not like, okay, you're just, you were doing this to do it. It's the why behind it. And I think that is so key that people have buy-in. And if you know the why and you can effectively communicate that, you know, I think it's just going to help you so much in the long term. So I always say communication is key. Love that. Jasper, thank you so much for joining us today. This was a really fun episode. And I am also now extra hungry. So 9am, I don't think it's too early to eat pizza. Well, in a couple months, you can just go on our site and order pizza. And order it. Yeah, exactly. Text me and let me know when that's ready. Until then, I will just wait. But uh, until next time, where can people find one of your brands of pizzas and you? You can go into almost any retail store, grocery store across America and find one of our brands. But you can also go to our site, palermospizza.com, and you can go and search, put your zip code in, and it'll take you to the nearest grocery store in your area. You can go in, buy pizza, buy two, buy 10, have at it. Thanks, Jasper. Thank you. listeners. Thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time. Thank you for checking out another epic hour of business insights and inspiration on the Up Next in Commerce podcast. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in partnering with us to bring your brand to a growing audience of e-commerce experts, reach out to me at stephanie at mission.org to get the conversation started.